Welcome to Pouring Over Pages, a podcast of words and wine. I'm Alexa. And I'm Maritza. And welcome. Let's get started. I'm so excited and so thrilled to have all of you joining us here today in our first podcast episode ever. <laughs> it's been it's been a long time in, in the making, I think, this project. Yeah, and I also feel kind of like we, we've been teasing it a lot and building it up. Anticipation. <laughs> yes, I think the anticipation is worth what you're going to get now. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, this is something that we've we've talked about at length in the past and weren't really sure when to do it or mm-hmm. when it felt like a good time. Yeah, because, you know, I have a million projects, but I, I love adding them to my plate. So it was time. To- yeah, you like to stress yourself out like that. I don't. I do. But <laughs> <laughs> I will say I appreciate that you've sort of been the backbone of this project in the sense that, you know, you mentioned, hey, let's let's just do this. And you just, you just started working yeah. on it. I think uh, I was like a bottle of wine in when I'm like texting you, hey, we should really do this. That makes then- sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and and the cool thing I think about what we what we have planned, and we've you know full disclosure, we've been talking about not only this episode or preparation for this episode, but talking about lots of the books that we're going to be discussing in future episodes. And I think the cool thing is that we, you know, we're choosing books that are not just bestsellers, not just new releases, but books that we just think are going to be conducive to great conversation, mm-hmm. just things that we know we love things that we think will be relatable to, you know, the people that we're trying to reach through this podcast, you know, things that we think are tied to current events that mean a lot to us, you Mm -hmm. know, like this is a personal podcast. This is not just book reviews and it's not just wine pairings. It's sort of, it's really comes down to what the two of us care about Mm -hmm. and what we love. And that's what makes it so special. And that's why I'm so excited. It's like a mashup passion project of sorts. Yeah, exactly. And I and I think that leads us into really why we chose this book. Yes, definitely. As our first. This this is a very special book to us, to Maritza. It pretty much um has been passed around throughout the group and recommended many times. So Yeah, yeah. This was I would say probably my favorite nonfiction read of twenty twenty. Um I read this for the first time in the middle of lockdown. Like the you. first lockdown. I mean, I think we've, we've technically only had one, but... One. We should have had more, we, technically, right, exactly. if you judge other countries, but, you Precisely. know. <laughs> but I read this in the midst of, you know, being at home and not seeing anybody. <laughs> um, and what I what I thought was interesting is that not only did I read it then, but I also reread it in preparation for this podcast. And what it immediately sort of made clear to me is that you can reread this book multiple times. You can reread it, you know, at at any moment in your life and it's going to feel relatable mm-hmm. and it's going to remind you of things. It's going to hit you in a different way every time. You know, it's one thing yeah. for me to have read it during during lockdown when I was learning for the very first time, I think, to sit still. Like I was learning yes. for the first time to just like be okay in my own company without, uh, without you know, social distraction. And then to reread it now for this podcast, you know, when we've already been back in the world for a while and mm-hmm. we've been back at work and we've been back, you know, sort of trying to to, to go back to this no- new normal, yeah. right? We have to call it a new normal because it's not normal. Um, but that's that's what struck me about this book. And 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 as you mentioned, you know, I, I gifted this book to you. I've gifted it to lots of other people. I've recommended it to lots of people. Um, and it seems to always hit home for everybody. Yeah. 
And that's what makes this book, I think, so special, so relatable, so important, and so um, relevant, I think. No, 100%. And, and as you were saying, you read it during the beginning of the pandemic and reread it now. I think this book also has many lessons that you could see within different perspectives and take away different things at different times in your life that you may right. have not taken the first time you read it. Um, so that's another one of the beauties of this book, I think, that so much of it could be applied in different instances when you're feeling a certain kind of way and, and right. you might reread it a year later and feel different, but still, it still resonates in a different way. Yeah. And, and I think before we dive into some of the more specifics and some of the quotes and the things that we want to talk about about the book, I'll also say that I think the reason that it works so well is not only our, you know, first episode or, or you know, for this podcast in particular is because the book itself is written in the form of anecdotes. Yeah. It's written in these short stories about her life, right? So we're talking about Untamed by Glennon Doyle. This is a number one New York Times bestseller, Reese's Book Club pick. Um, You know, this is a a book that I think has been as of now on the New York Times bestseller list for 71 weeks in a row. It's wild. (laughs) Um, You know, so we're not talking about some book that is, uh, you know, a secret or, you know, that that hasn't been very well known. very, very well known. She has her own podcast now. She's really blown up. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's pretty huge. And, 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 and what I love is that, you know, the book is written in these, in these anecdotes and that reminds you that that's really sort of like where life is as simple as that sounds, right? Like all these lessons and all of these things, all this wisdom that she passes on to the reader comes from some sort of personal narrative, Mm -hmm. some sort of story, some sort of thing that happened to her. And it seems small in, you know, when you're thinking about your, your, you know, your life, she's not talking about necessarily just like the day that she got married or, you know, the day she had her first baby. She's talking about just like a day that she met up with a friend and the conversation that they had and the little thing that her friend told her that stuck with her, right? Mm -hmm. Like life is in those moments. Life is in those anecdotes. And so the way that this book is written, just full disclosure, um, it's written in these really short chapters. So it's also really easy to get through. I think if you just dedicate, you know, 10, 15 minutes a day to reading one of these chapters, some of them won't even take you that no, long. No, I don't. You can get through this book pretty quickly. And it's it's a page turner for that reason. You kind of want to hear more. You want to know more about these little stories, these little anecdotes that she's throwing at you. And it made sense for us because we're doing this, you know, as, as a personal, you know, endeavor for us to pick a book that also felt fundamentally personal. Personal. Yes, 100%. I think it's the perfect starter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so too. So yeah, so what we basically did is we decided to choose a couple of quotes and a couple of themes that we picked up from the book, things that stood out to us, lessons that we um, learned really from, from this book and from the way that she, um, you know, created the, these 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 narratives for for the book and the first one that I really want to discuss with you is this idea of selflessness and sort of martyrdom as as the definition of womanhood you know we've been taught sort of our whole lives you know that we are better people the more selfless yeah. We become. I think of, for example, my mom, I think of mothers in general, that the more selfless they become, the more they give to their children, the less that they give to themselves, really. Um, It makes them better mothers. It makes them better women, right? This idea that you can't pour from an empty cup is a fairly new concept, I think. Yeah, I think so. And and thank God, because yeah, it's been, Mm -hmm. I feel like even with my mom growing up as a single mom, 
just everything she did was for us, the kids, never anything for herself. She always sacrificed, you know, you know, going out with her friends, going to the gym, you know, right. meeting up with work, call it anything just so that she could be with us and, and give herself to us, which I appreciate it. But I also wish she, she spent some time for herself so that maybe right. she herself felt more. I'm not saying that she doesn't feel fulfilled as a mother. She, she's like the best mom ever, but that she personally maybe took something away from it and, and maybe just felt more refreshed or had a better perspective on things. Just, right. Well, you just hit the nail on the head there with the, I wish that she would have yeah. done all these other things because that's really what Glennon gets to mm-hmm. in the book. She talks about how it's not about being selfless, but it's about putting out an example into the world of, you know, I can be who I want to be, who I need to be mm-hmm. for myself. And in doing that, I'm a better mom. Yeah. I'm a better friend. I'm a better partner. 100%. I'm a better whatever, right? So this idea of like, selflessness and martyrdom, you know, it's something that I, that's always bothered me because I have the exact opposite personality. (laughs) (laughs) What? As as you know, and as many people know, um, I'm not the most sort of nurturing person in in that regard. I I don't like to do things that I don't want to do. And I, and I'm very much like, no is a complete sentence. But because of that, People will paint me out to be or think that I'm just sort of a bitch, which is fine. That's fine. That's fine. Fine. We accept that. No. No problem. No problem. I just think it's so important, you know, to to be that person who rather disappoint other people than disappoint yourself. That yeah. that has to be the standard. And and she really touches on that. And she I think she says exactly that. That's that's where I'm getting yes. the quote. You know, she's like she's talking to her daughter in, in one of these um in one of these short chapters. And she's like, you know, you have to be able to disappoint, you know, thousands of people before you make the decision to disappoint yourself. You know, you have to be true to yourself and what you want and who you want to be. And the moment that you feel that you're not doing that, then that's your moment to sort of self-reflect. And it's a powerful message because I don't think that many people grow up understanding that no at all i mean i know uh, growing up i was always i mean as you were with the straight a's and mm-hmm. always going to school and attendance and this and just making sure that it was all for at least for me thinking oh i need to do this for my parents oh i need to get straight a's i need to get into this college i need to get into this thing because i think also um, that's that immigrant immigrant i was gonna mentality. say yeah. immigrant. <laughs> they came here for a better life right. so i need to I be better fuck it up no yeah. <laughs> at all so you know most of my life was spent doing these things for other people and and my parents and this and and validating myself based on their approval of these goals or reaching these milestones, not disappointing them. So when I read that in her book, I, it was just kind of like a light bulb went off. And I'm like, wait, I need to think about what I care about and not disappointing me. What isn't that insane? How that's insane. not that's not autopilot. <laughs> no, I'm, I think to a certain extent, I've been able to do that. But again, you know, you, you pay a price for that, you know, and she, and she talks about that in the book. She's like, yeah. I know that, you know, I get a little bit in sort of trouble when I don't text people back or <laughs> when I don't pick up calls or whatever, but she's like, but if I don't have the energy, yeah. if I don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it. Um, I don't think that we are taught 
to choose ourselves before we choose other people. Yeah. And the irony is that in choosing yourself, you you are choosing other people. You know, you yeah. you're 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 trying to become the best version of who you are in order to put that version out into the world. And that is what makes um, you know, a difference. She, she says, I think it's on page 194. Um, a woman becomes a responsible parent when she stops being an obedient daughter, when she finally understands that she's creating something different from what her parents created, when she begins to build her island, not to their specifications, but to hers. So this idea of like an island too really hit me. Mm -hmm. It's a metaphor that she uses throughout the book. This idea that you are an island, you and your family, right? But your chosen family, that you have to, you know, lower the drawbridge only to those that are bringing in the things that you want them to bring into your island. Love, understanding, support, acceptance, et cetera. The moment that someone doesn't, you kick them off yeah no and she she did that with her mom even in the book when yeah. when she came out and, and made a life-changing altering you know just decision and even her nearest dearest family her mom she's basically like until you can accept my truth and what i'm doing and bring right. love into the equation you're off this island right <laughs> and that's that's hard sometimes yeah. when people that are close to you don't necessarily believe in you or agree with you or just bring negativity in right you have to you have to do that thing that is so hard to do which is listen to your gut instinct and go with it and she she talks about um i really enjoyed the part where she's sort of deciding what to do with her life like we know that her husband uh, cheated on her with multiple women, but she chose to stay mm -hmm. for the kids. So that was part of her taming, right? Yes. This idea of like, I know I have to be selfless. I have to stay for the kids. I have to stay for my family, et cetera. Right. So when she's thinking, you know, I'm not happy. I met this other person, this woman that I, I'm pretty sure I'm in love with. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? And then she starts sort of Googling all these crazy things. She starts Googling like, do I divorce my husband even though he's a great father? Or like, <laughs> yeah. right? She, she puts she, something she crazy. She insanely specific Google searches. Yeah. And at that moment, she was like, oh my God. Like, I'm, tr I'm trying to find the answers in everybody else and in every other resource available to me except me. Yeah. And I'm the one person what's who should gut? know. Uh, yeah. What's your yeah. gut, Clinton? <laughs> yeah. You and, 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 the, and the funny thing, and or not so funny thing, because we don't always follow it, is that we always actually know the answer we always know the answer we do. the question is whether or not we want to accept it we want to acknowledge it right and she talks about that too she calls it the ache i mm -hmm. think this 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 thing that's sort of looming over you that is reminding you on a constant basis that there's something else out there for mm -hmm. you and that you're once you know that it's there you can't unknow yeah. once you know that there's something else that you want or that what you currently have is not what you want. You have to find it in yourself to acknowledge that, to move towards that and be brave enough to imagine that life, yeah. you know, for yourself. So when she's sort of, you know, thinking about what to do with her life, that, that moment hit me, you know, this idea that we try and find resources, you know, we, we, we consult every resource available to us, except for ourselves. You know, I, I can think of many times that I've been like, Alexa, what should I do? And you're like, um, well, you, well, you, you know what to do. And I'm like, yeah. oh, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not ready to acknowledge. I know half right the now. time it's like, well, you should do this, but you already know you should do this. Right. Exactly. So do you want? <laughs> exactly. The idea of sitting still, right? Like that's sort of where where you learn to acknowledge yeah. that sort of knowing, what she calls the knowing in the book. Um, you know, the idea that you have to acknowledge what your own mind and what your own gut is telling you 
to do. Whether you want to do it or not is a whole other problem. That's a whole other thing. (laughs) I mean, sometimes you go for it and other times you don't. Yeah. And and then that sort of brings me to this idea of of community, or, or I guess I'm going back to that idea of the island. You know, you, I would consider you somebody who's on my island, right? For yeah, obvious reasons. For sure. You and I have been friends for a long time. This is a passion project that I wouldn't take on with anybody else. No, at all. Um, you know, you're somebody who knows pretty much the ins and outs of everything that's going on in my life, right? But this is because you you know me as exactly who I am. Yeah, right? the, exactly. The things that you like, don't like, whatever, they're all accepted. And, you know, not everyone has that sort of community no at all and i feel like sometimes too people put up you know personas they put up these false you know these facades and just try to be who they think they should be right instead of just letting everyone know who they really are right and that's i mean that's always such a waste of time i i will say this i'm kind of lucky that i've never felt the need to do that i've no, always just waste sort of time and energy and unapologetically everything. myself which is great because i've lost a lot of people along the way i've gained a lot of people along the way but the people that i've lost were never meant to hang around no and the people that i've gained i know are there for the right reason because they know me for exactly who i am so you you know it's being exactly who you are is like sort of the perfect filter <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yes. like it keeps who you want to keep and it gets rid of the people that you don't fucking want around exactly. anyway unapologetically you, know? you. yeah <laughs> exactly. take it or leave it Exactly. But it's so crazy, though, because like as as a woman, you know, you have to use that term unapologetic. Right. Like people just assume that you have to just be, I don't know, be like extra, extra tough, extra okay with the fact that, you know, this is who I am. It's like, no, I mean, everybody can do that. and You don't have to consider it like an aggressive move. Yeah. Yeah. You could just simply be yourself. Like men. Yes. Like men. Just if we did everything like, you know mediocre white men we'd be on top that's my favorite that's that's my favorite quote ever i'm like if i'm feeling bad about myself i'm like maritza just carry in there with the confidence of a mediocre white man and you're gonna you're gonna kill it it. (laughs) nail it you're gonna absolutely kill it i just realized we didn't discuss how we met or how we true or who we are true true i keep assuming that Everyone the majority of us. our support is just going to be friends and family, but the, the hope is that it goes far beyond that. So yeah, you're you're right. So yeah, so yeah, you. So I think you mentioned. Yeah, time. you mentioned the community. So we'll talk about our little our little island, <laughs> me and you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you and I met obviously a couple of years ago. We work at the same place. We're both um, we both work at the Perez Art Museum, Miami, and you are a incredible, badass director, Ooh. woman. Um, and I've been working in the curatorial department now for a couple of years, and we've had the chance to collaborate on yeah, a lot of projects. Definitely. But we were friends before we really started working together. I mean, that was sort yeah, of... Yeah, that just happened. happened. And then working out after and just building upon our friendship and, and yeah. getting to know each other more. Yeah, I, I mean, like I, spend, work. I spend a lot of time here in, in your house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the ultimate third wheel, you and, and your husband. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we've known each other for a long time and we spend a lot of time together. This is sort of just an addition, I think, to the time that we already spend. You know, we CrossFit together yeah. every day. We work together. Um, we go to Boozy Brunch together. Boozy Brunch. We um, have several messaging chains on different apps going all the time a lot of meme sharing lots of memes a lot of meme sharing yeah now it's more book recommendations i feel like we've sort <laughs> yeah. of we've gone up in the world a little bit i don't know <laughs> i'm just trying just trying 
But, but I, I also think it's important to note like what what this podcast is in terms of the, the two things that are coming together, right? Because the, the discussion that we're having about the book is one part. And that's that part sort of comes a little bit more from me, right? Full disclosure, I'm the person who reads a lot. I'm Right now, as we record this, I'm wearing a sweater that says the book was better. And I'm like a really <laughs> bookish person. I read on average about a book or two a week, sort of depending on what's going on in my life. And, and Alexa, you have an absolutely incredible wine blog, Alexa's Wine Diary. You should give us a little... A little uh, info about that. Yes. Um, so about four years ago, I started a wine blog. Um, just started writing about what I liked, what I know. Didn't know much back then, but took a bunch of courses over time and done a bunch of tastings and just really fell in love with the art of wine, you could say, and just how complex it is and how um, transformative it is and how it could take you back to a memory or a moment or a region or just... You know, it's just beautiful. So that's where I come in with the wine and I pair it with the book since we both love to read. Maritza more so than she gets it done more than I do, but I still love the written word. True, true. And and I think that, you know, what I love is that this podcast is a result of something that happened very organically, mm -hmm. which was I didn't know anything about wine, not a damn thing. I knew <laughs> white wine and red wine. And that's it. And everything I've learned about wine has been from from you. Literally, yes. absolutely everything. And just tasting, like not even anything formal at first. Just no, like, just tasting. And hey. eventually I was sort of just started to realize like, oh, it turns out that I actually really like, you know, this particular grape or I really like this sort of wine, whatever, you know, whatever specifics. And, and that came very naturally just from like coming over and like you cracking open a bottle yes. and telling me like, little random things like, oh, Maritza, this one's a little fruitier. I think you'll like it. And it turns out that I did, you know, things like that. And now I can go to a restaurant, look at the wine list and not feel like I'm reading a foreign language. And <laughs> that is so a success. True, that is success. That's, I mean, the best wine is the wine you like. And once you right. figure out what you like, because I mean, there's so many different wines around the world. So once you just kind of figure out, well, I tend to like, you know, New Zealand soft blancs, or I tend to like, you know, cooler climate Pinot Noirs, or I just like red. Then you just start, you know, narrowing it, you down, start to narrow it down, tasting, yeah. eliminating, and then you figure out your jam. It's all, it, it, wine is very intimidating, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. And that's, and that's what I learned. And I also think that, you know, we both work in an environment where, for example, you know, we work in a modern and contemporary art museum. Sometimes that can be incredibly intimidating. Oh, for sure. And we have found a way, you know, you through the communications department, me through the curatorial department, we have found a way to make art more accessible. I think, you know, we, we bring friends, we, we can have conversations with people that make art feel more like a catalyst for conversation as opposed to something that you need to walk in and have a master's degree to understand, yeah, you know? No so, so this approach, you know, that you have with wine, this approach that I have with books, you know, that, I think, I think language is something that, um, is it, it, it always functions as an entry point, mm -hmm. right? Because everybody can, can interpret it in their own way, but everybody can understand it. Right. Yeah. So that's really where I think the idea of this podcast came from in the sense that, you know, we feel that these interests were things that we brought to each other and that we could pair in a really fun and interesting way. And, and also I should note, and I probably should have said this at the very beginning, it doesn't matter if you've read the book, if you've read the book, great. What we hope is that you'll relate to the conversation and that you'll add to the conversation in some way. And if you haven't read the book, the hope is that 
we sparked your interest mm-hmm. and that maybe you'll pick it up and that you'll let us know uh, yeah. that you liked it, hated it, uh, whatever it is. You know, you can reach out to us in many, many different ways. But that's really the point is just to get this conversation going. And I think sometimes, too, with the approachability, I think sometimes people are like, but I don't read. I'm not a reader. What should I read? I don't know what to read. And I think that, too, is a big key to this podcast. Like, these are our personal recommendations. We're going to tell you why we love them, what they're, you know, how you could relate to them and just kind of our take on them. So then you don't have to feel scared when you go to a bookstore. (laughs) Right. Because a bookstore can sort of feel like a wine shop in that sense too, that you have all these different sections. And if you're not a reader, you don't necessarily know what you like. If you're not following along on the trends, which books are popular this week, which are not, et cetera, you might not know what to pick up. So we're hoping that this helps you navigate that um, as well, that it makes you feel like, okay, well, that conversation was interesting or it sounds like they took something out of that book, then maybe I should go and, and, and pick it up too. Right. That's, that's the hope. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> you can tell us if it didn't work, but that's our hope. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as Alexis, you know, right. I have um, a book club at, um, at Pam at the museum that we work at. And so it's an employees book club. And one of the best things that I've learned is that, The best conversations are when some people love the book and some people fucking hate it. That's always when you have the best conversation. Of course, of course. (laughs) And sometimes it turns out that just through dialogue, someone's like, you know what? Actually, now that you mention that, I kind of appreciate this book in a way that I hadn't realized before. Because reading is a very lonely thing, or at least people think that it is, right? That you're kind of sitting on your own reading and it's a very solitary thing. But I have always defined it as a sort of way to... um, just show myself a little bit of grace, you know, just show myself a little bit of kindness. Cause I think sitting down and reading a book is an act of kindness towards yourself. It means that you're not on your phone. It means that you're not (laughs) doom scrolling Twitter. Seriously. It means that you're not talking to somebody, which sometimes it's nice just not to talk to people. True. You know, it's, it's a good way to give yourself really, really nice, just peaceful time. And so one of the things that I say to people who are like, oh, I'm not really a reader. I don't have time or whatever. The truth is this one, you make the time. If you rather scroll on social media for 45 minutes before you go to bed instead of read a book, that's your choice. Of course, we've all done that. We all do it. (laughs) I do it. Um, And then the other thing too, is like, we need to stop glorifying the act of reading. You don't need to have a big leather armchair, a glass of wine next to you, complete silence to crack open a book. You know, sometimes like when I'm traveling, I'm sitting at the gate. That's when I'm getting the most, you know, pages in, or Mm -hmm. I'm at the doctor's office and I'm in the waiting room, you know, like don't glorify it. No, I'm usually outside in the pool or something, not even really doing it. Just, you know, just whenever you have a chance. Yeah, exactly. You know, like that's really when you're going to be able to immerse yourself in it. And, and if you can use reading as I've learned to do as an excuse to keep people from sort of bothering them, <laughs> then, you know, you do that. And you're just like, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to take a little hour break. I'm just, I just want to read my book. I just want to relax. I'm a little stressed out. I need some time on my own. Then great. Then it has that much more of a function. It is good self-care in that, in that way that you're not like spiraling as you watch CNN or something. And you're just, you know, diving into the book and really getting in there and going to another place almost right. or just another or just using another perspective or facet of that you're just, you know, you're, you feel lighter. You're reading yeah. a story. You're yeah. being entertained most of the time. What do you think about the idea of like reading as an escape? Hmm. Do you feel that way? 
Sometimes, just because it, for me, I'm never still, I always need right. something going. I'm like, boom, 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 boom. Like, whether it's like, I cannot sit in my house without the TV on. Like, when it's off, I freak out. Like, I need noise. I need some sign up kind of ambient. Sounds like you need to do what Glennon is saying. <laughs> I know. I need sit to in the still. closet in the dark and yeah. be still and listen to your <laughs> Find gut for a Find the knowing bit. in the closet. Find the knowing, girl. <laughs> sit down. So for me, it's an escape, not in a way that like I'm avoiding problems or I'm, you know, going into, but just more as an escape as, Alexa, stop doing all that shit you're doing. And right. just stop making yourself so busy all the exactly. fucking time. Exactly. That's that's escape for me. Just saying, Alexa, shut the fuck up. Stop doing that right. and go read. Right. I mean, I, I like to ask that question because everyone always reveals something so integral about themselves when you ask that. Because mm. now what you've revealed is exactly that, that you have trouble sitting still. I think everyone that, knows that though. You know, <laughs> the people that know you do. But but like for me, for example, like I, I recently had this conversation that to me, I don't consider reading an escape because I, I find it so grounded in reality, meaning in what's possible. Like even 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 fiction, even yeah. fantasy, it doesn't matter. It reminds me of all the things that are out there in the world, mm-hmm. all the things that I could be experiencing if I just, you know, go out and, and and give them a try, right? Like reading is a reminder of all the different types of people that there are yeah. out in the world, all the different personalities, all the different things that you can encounter, the different places that you can go to. They're a reminder of the fact that, yes, sitting still is integral and I highly recommend it. And <laughs> we, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to convince you all to sit still too <laughs> and still read a read. damn book. But it also reminds you that, you know, there's a whole world out there that that you can learn from and that you can experience and that's you know i've i've read books that have made me want to travel to particular places or that have made me want to have certain conversations with people you know that's really like what reading is it's lonely when you're doing and i don't mean lonely in a bad way i I guess i I could just say it's more solitary right yeah Uh, it's something that you do on your own but it, it's it's something that you carry with you. Like every book I've ever read, I carry it with me. I can reference it. I can, I you know, if I meet someone who's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm not really much of a reader, but I used to really love like Harry Potter or I used to love fantasy novels. I'm like, well, actually I really recently read this great book called, you know, The House in the Cerulean Sea. And I recommend- Get you know, on it. Yeah, yeah. And, and then people will sometimes go and they'll buy it. And, I, and I'm always so happy because it's them connecting- not just with the book or it's not me bragging that they liked what I recommended, but it's them connecting to a part of themselves that maybe they had let go of in the past. Maybe something that they no longer do because they don't have time. And I yeah. do with air quotes, the right? Time. But they actually do. And if they just take that time to connect themselves with that you know, former self or those former interests, they can open up a whole world in front of them. You know what I mean? For sure. But it's, it's, it's not every day. That no. I can convince someone <laughs> to <laughs> to crack open a book. Go read a book. No, absolutely not. But you know, we we try. Um, we do. But this this idea of, of of community, you know, like I I sort of started thinking, you know, when we were planning this podcast too, it was just different, like you know, pages on Instagram that have recommended books to me that I like. This idea of community, and I, I kind of want to go. I want to dive back into the book for a second. Um, there's a moment when. Glennon says, I do not adjust myself to please the world. I am myself wherever I am. And I let the world adjust. That's a powerful one. That's a powerful one. And and we, we posted that one. Yeah, right we on did. <laughs> because that's the kind of thing that takes, I think, 
unbelievable bravery. It really does. I mean, I think so much of our society tries to shape us in, you know, in the way of which how you'll look to others, not like we're shaping you to be the best version of you or we're shaping you to like love yourself or be happy with yourself. We're shaping you so you could show the fit world. In this mold. Yes. Mm-hmm. Fit into our society in this way. And you will be this way. I mean, I think right. a lot of people in Miami too are just. Absolutely. Instead much. of, instead of giving you tools yeah. to self-reflect and become a better version of who you are and sharpen who you are, which is entirely unique to everyone else around you, mm-hmm. you're being told to fit into a mold. And that is one of the worst things that we can do, especially, I mean, I think of, of kids, you know, we, we try and tell kids that they have to be this or that, you know, if yeah. you're a girl, you have to like pink. If you're a boy, you have to like blue, you have to play sports, etc. Yeah. all these, all this absolute bullshit that we spew at them and causes so many issues down the line. Really if you, does. when you don't allow people to be who they are and grow into that best version of who they want to be, you create that much more of an issue. And, and, and for me, one of the most powerful moments in this book was the chapter called boys. Mm. And I really want to touch on this. I think this is unbelievably important because a lot of people are going to maybe not want to hear this first episode because they think a lot of men, let me say, because this book has been more marketed towards women. Yeah. It's written, I think, for women. But I just want to make it really clear that I, I personally don't think that that's the case. I think that men could read this book and learn an awful lot and and also, you know, take on some of the same challenges, this idea of sitting still, some of the things that we've discussed. But the chapter Boys really goes to show and and, and proves the point that, you know, you and I have had this conversation yes. many times. Many times in many places. Many, 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 at many work, times. Too at many the times. gym, out here, Too everywhere. many times. <laughs> but the truth is this, when you don't let men experience emotions, express emotions, experience and express pain, be vulnerable publicly, you create, um, you create someone who feels disconnected. You create someone who can't, um, I think empathize with others. We create much bigger problems. And so by failing men and telling them that by being emotional, they are feminine or they are weak. You are not only failing men, you are also failing women. You're failing us all. Mm -hmm. And the chapter boys is about that. So if you pick up this book, you can read it. I think you should read it from cover to cover because there is a continuity in the anecdotes. It's like her journey. Yeah, exactly. But if you, if you pick it up and you're like, okay, I just, I want to know what this, what this chapter is about. If you want, if you're particularly interested in this type of conversation, crack it open to the chapter called boys, because it really talks about exactly that, that men are, are, are not taught to, to express emotion, vulnerability, et cetera. And that this creates so many issues. And so I just, I just want to throw it out there that, you know, we want these conversations to be inclusive, right? We want people to feel like they can come and they can express their opinion. They, they can express who they are. Um, but this is a safe space. Like we, yeah. you and I are not the people who ever say stupid ass shit, like man up. No, never. Like that's fucking nonsense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're like women that. up. <laughs> <laughs> women women up. are superior anyway. So. Women up. <laughs> woman up but i hate hearing that i hate like man up don't cry like like this world like she really she really dives into this in such a beautiful way and and she talks about how like 
that is what makes you brave and strong and interesting. And it turns you into, into a compassionate, kind, upstanding person. When you can be that person, when you can be expressive and vulnerable and, and, that, and that life is not hard because you're making it hard. That being human is just hard. Yeah, it's just hard in general. And no one okay. has, yeah, no one has, you know, they're living their life through rose-colored glasses and just, you know, everything's perfect. That right. wouldn't be real life. Right. Real life has challenges and, and, you know, you power through them and, and get through them and learn from them in your own way. Right. And, and, and the, the other absolute truth is that nobody has their shit together. No one. Nobody. No one. Like I, I, I'm <laughs> convinced of this. Like, I do not care who you are. I know for a fact that you're also struggling. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> and that's fine. That's cool. It's part of life. Yeah. It's like, you're not human if, if you're not struggling at some point. <laughs> if we all had that conversation, like, wouldn't we all probably get along a little better? We would just be more transparent in that way. And not just, you know, well, I think it's, it also has a lot to do with Instagram a lot of the time too. Now, at least in this modern day age, people yeah. want to show you highlight reels of their life through right. social media. Like I went on this trip. I, you know, got a new house. I got a new car. I got this bag and the, you know, but they're not yeah. showing, you know, their bank account that's right. at like 50 bucks or their, yeah. you know, a family member dying or, you know, just they use, they use that caption that I hate more than any other caption on earth. <laughs> Which one? I did a thing. I did a thing today. Every time I read that, I'm like, not only do you not get a like, I'm just going to scroll like right past. Like, oh God, I hate that. I did a thing. I did a thing. Oh, we all do things. Okay? <laughs> we all do like, things every day. Oh, yeah, that one, that one annoys me. But I agree. It's a highlight reel. Yeah. That's what we show the world instead of just being realistic and saying, yeah, today fucking sucked. Yeah. I, you know, X, Y, Z happens. I'm struggling. I might have a mental breakdown. I mean, I feel like 2020 really allowed for at least, at least for me to be more honest with myself about what yeah. I'm struggling with and like what is going on. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, you and you and I talked a lot about this during, during the pandemic and I, I don't mean to make it sound like the pandemic is over. I, I, I don't it's mean still to, going. Yeah, I just don't like, mean to make it sound know. like it's over just because I say during the pandemic, just to be clear. Um, <laughs> during the early days of the pandemic exactly. when we didn't know what we were dealing with. Exactly. Before we were vaccinated. <laughs> right, right. Fully. Fully. Vaccinated. Fully vaccinated. Yeah, you and I had that conversation a lot where where we even said, I think I think you said this to me, that you were like, man, if, if, if you're the same person after all of this is over, um, then I feel sorry for you. Right. Yes, like hundred percent. How could you possibly experience a year like this and come out the other side, the same person that you were? And thank you for refilling You're my welcome. glass. We're going to get to the wine portion soon. <laughs> we just wanted to make sure that we were, you know, um, better getting, that getting we're a, good a little, taste, little getting a little lubricated, loose, you know, <laughs> um, but I'll never forget that you said that to me because I, I think that that's absolutely right. You know, that meant, that means that even though you're maybe as you said, not great at sitting still, you know, we, we did a good job at, I think, self-reflecting. I will pat yes. ourselves on the back for that. Cause I think that we really took the time and we talked to each other a lot during we the did. pandemic, you know, and, and, and just sort of tried to help each other through what was an unbelievably difficult time for all of us. We were lucky that, you know, we were able to, to lean on each other in that way. But we're not the same people that we were before no. the pandemic. There's just there's just no app. There's just no fucking way that just you could something be. that's so big and massive and worldwide transformational. There's no way that you could just come out of that 
or I mean, still in it, but come out of that part of it being like, right. yeah, status quo. What's up? Let me go on. Right. Everything's fine. Everything's I'm fine. cool. You know, no worries. I, yeah, I, I think it, I think that's like a, a disorder. If you it's did. a disorder. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's whack. I mean, the other thing too, is like, I mean, I've, I've always been like a, a sort of overly empathetic person. So like being compassionate is sort of my superpower, but it's also incredibly cumbersome because I tend to take, I, t- I tend to take on a lot of what other people are feeling yeah. or, or, or I sort of carry it with me in a way that I shouldn't. Um, but the, but the pandemic sort of, you know, maybe, maybe in part because I read this book during lockdown or like right in the middle of it, it sort of taught me that like, you know, I really cannot pour from an empty cup. Like I needed to really heal. Like I needed to relax. I needed to interpret what was happening. You know, like there was a lot that was, that was making me nervous, you know, not just, you know, job related. I think everyone was worried about their job, but I mean, just like on, on a personal level, you know, like I have a family member who's, who's, who's chronically ill and I, I never wanted to bring COVID home to that person or, you know, things like that. Like it was just such a stressful time that the, this book, I can honestly say, and I'm not exaggerating when I say it, it taught me to like be okay with thinking about those things. Like sometimes I would try and just like jam them down. Like, no, Maritza, don't think about that right now. Try try and stay positive. But that toxic positivity bullshit, we need to stop doing that to each other. Sometimes things aren't okay and it's fine. They're not okay. They're not okay. And that's fucking fine. I I get so tired of people who are like, no, but don't worry. Like, it's fine. You know, calm down. And no one, no one in the history of calming down has calmed down because they were told to calm down. Never. You know, Sean could attest to that when I tell him to calm down. I would agree with that. So it's just like the the book sort of, it it taught me to be grounded. And what I decided in preparation for this episode was that I think this is going to be like an annual reread for me. Mm, Yes. I like that. Right. It just feels, it just feels like something that like the the lessons you you can just continue to learn them over and over again. You're you're never not going to get something. No. And things will speak to you differently at different times in your life. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah, and that was the first point that we sort of made when we when we started, you know, this discussion is that different things are gonna are gonna feel heavy at that moment and later on you'll read them and you're not gonna be struggling from that same thing anymore. So you'll be ready to sort of emphasize something else, right? Yes. But I mean I think that, you know, to, to sort of conclude, I think, the the conversation about this book is that um there is a quote that stuck with me and that I hope sticks with all of you. And I hope sort of emphasizes and, um, and really wraps with a bow, (laughs) everything that we've had a chance to talk about, which is, um, I think on page 200 here, um, I learned that there's a type of pain in life that I want to feel. It's the inevitable excruciating necessary pain of losing beautiful things, trust, dreams, health, animals, relationships, people. This kind of pain is the price of love, the cost of living a brave, open-hearted life, and I'll pay it. And I think that that really, really, really sums up the book and sums mm-hmm. up what you and I got from the book. This idea that like life is supposed to be hard. Yeah. That we need to let go of the idea that life was ever not supposed to be. And that we have to be open, that we have to be open-hearted, that we have to be ready and willing in order to experience all of the wonderful things that life has to experience, that we don't want to be closed off, you know, people who aren't vulnerable or not compassionate or living in our own world, that we need to be open in order to be 
better people in order to be better citizens in order to be better neighbors then we need to think about other people i know that that is sort of a wild concept right now in this (laughs) day and age (laughs) i was gonna say um think of others think of of others love thy neighbor um that shouldn't (laughs) be complicated yeah i am not religious at all i mean i cannot (laughs) emphasize that enough so if you guys are looking for us to eventually i don't know read or review the bible Religious texts, not going to be on this podcast. We are not the podcast for you, and I'm sorry that you're waiting until this long to learn that. You could probably read some of Glennon's earlier books in that case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Actually, she, she, she does dive into religion quite yes, a bit in this she book, does. doesn't she? And she in does. a really fascinating way because she calls God she. And she doesn't say it because she thinks that God is a she yeah, or, or whatever. God, it's because cool the idea that God being a she is so crazy and such a wild concept for people that she's like as long as that keeps pissing people off i'm gonna keep saying it and i I love love that no i I am here for that that. yeah that was one of the interesting parts that she even though she is so much don't disappoint yourself be your truest self live a life untamed that she is very religious and i found that um difficult for a person like me to understand that i i don't identify at all with religion and i mean i grew up in the church and we could dive into that in in another tale but um that'll be a long episode that would be a very long episode but i am not (laughs) not practicing not religious now so when she looking at her as someone who is so openly proud now gay uh dealing with all of these societal issues and the untaming of women and and boys Mm -hmm. and this and just all these big progressive type themes then to know that she was super religious and still is, it just kind of. Yeah. But what I think is, is fascinating too, is that she, she describes God as within you. Yes. She right? does. So that God is the knowing God is who you encounter when you're sitting in the closet in the dark and you're just sitting still and you're trying to get in touch with you know, yourself. And when you're trying to find the answer to a really difficult problem, you know, that God is not this thing. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's you. And And that is fascinating. Yeah. And I found that very refreshing because I think if I were given that (laughs) that prescription of God, maybe I would be with it. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's true. And, and I, and I love that, you know, she, she's, she's so open about that you know she talks about how she was disappointed in the fact that she was um you know when she was more active within the church that she could feel that she was being taught things that are intolerant and unkind and that that's hurtful when you're indoctrinated because i do think that that's what it is when you're part of, of 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 a church or whatever it may be you know that's that's indoctrination And so when that's what you're taught and then life teaches you something else, it can be an incredibly difficult personal moment. Mm -hmm. And so I love that she dives into that a lot because what she's basically saying is I had to decide if what I felt and knew in my gut was the right thing versus what I was taught my whole life. And I mean, there's nobody who's not going to relate to that. (laughs) We all can. We all can. And, and that's why I think at the end of the day, you know, this book is about giving you the tools to 
make decisions for yourself about who you are, about encouraging others to be who they are. If, if there's one way that I would like, if I could look at myself and say like, Maritza, like, what do you, what is it that you want to be? I think that I just want to be a person who gives people permission to be exactly who they are and encourages them to be who they are. That's who I want to be. That's who I aspire to be. And I haven't always been that because sometimes we we want people to be more like us. Yeah. We want people to be uh, more in tune with the expectations that we set for them. And those are personal problems. Those are yeah. things that we have to fix about ourselves. But I I think that Glennon is is saying, you know, be who you are, but also give that same grace and hold that others. same space for same. other people. That's what this is really about. Yeah. And that's important because it's easy to do it for yourself. <laughs> then you look at the next person yeah. and you're, you know, eh, this person, this and that. No, let them just be themselves too. And, and, you know, accept that too. Right. And then it's up to you if you want them on your island or not. Exactly. It's that simple. Are think- they bringing grace? Are they bringing love? Are they bringing understanding into your life? Well, then lower the drawbridge. Yeah. If they're not, then throw them in the moat. I don't care. <laughs> throw what them you off. Do. Let the sharks eat them. <laughs> <laughs> vote them off the island. And I feel like we all in 2020 have voted people off the island. We have. And have grown we have. from I've, that. Oh, man. 2020 was the year that a lot of people that you thought were going to be a part of your life for a long time no longer were. No. Chopping block time. Chopping block time. And Delete you know what? that toxicity. And I think that that's great. I think that's a great thing. Because I think ultimately what you want is every year with every experience that happens, you want your island to be that much more real. Yeah. That much more of who uh, who you think brings the best uh, to you, who makes you better. Yeah. You know? And and so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for it. I know that 2020 was unbelievably hard. And I'll say this because I'm sure that there will be people who are listening who maybe became ill or, or have family who became ill or lost someone. So I don't mean to sound flippant or, um, insensitive, but I, I will say that I'm grateful for the fact that this pandemic taught me a lot. I'll say that I'm not grateful for it, but I'm grateful for what it taught me. Yeah. It's like, we have to live through this. At least we could bring some, some lessons with us to apply to to years to come. Let's become better. I mean, shit. If I have to go through all this shit, for the love of God, And be the same. What the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) No, at least make me a wiser person. How about that? You know? Exactly. You can't experience. still wiser. Yeah. You can't experience something like that and not change. But I, um, so I think that that was, um, a really good way of sort of framing the book and what i would love more than anything now is for us to cheers and talk about this wine so this is the other bam this is the other (laughs) half of 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 the podcast in terms of theme and and so um you know I, i i'm hoping that as we move towards different episodes and stuff we're not um explaining so much about what we're doing here yeah. right people will sort of get get the hint but for now you know yeah this is this is about the book but also the wine pairing and hopefully giving you guys just a little taste of something that you can um you know purchase learn about um but yeah i'll, I'll definitely. definitely let you take that part yes. away because i am not i am not qualified <laughs> Um, so first off, this book felt a bit challenging when it came to wine pairing because full disclosure, Glennon is super sober. Right. She had a very, um, rough time in her life where she, you know, was binging, had alcohol problems, drug problems, just, you know, spiraling kind of downward spiral, but it, you know, 
led her into this, you know, more clear and, and open space of hers. So I, I don't want to disrespect her and I don't want to make light of what she's been through or her sobriety, but I was actually looking for a wine that was 0% alcohol. Um, there's a couple, there's um, a Sauvignon Blanc from Marlboro that actually, I one of my friends posted recently that actually tastes good and, and has no alcohol in it. And I was looking for it, but it's not in stores near us. So we, you know, bless her but we we can we try we can we, we tried, tried. <laughs> and we can partake in it i admire her journey but i'm gonna go with uh something with alcohol and in a different vein almost yeah we're, we're gonna nod at the book in a different way in a different way it's not going to directly relate as some of these pairings will down the line i feel like a lot of them kind of lend themselves to it i don't want to drop any any yeah. clues yeah but I'm, I'm super excited I know. some of them are references <laughs> to like places in the book so you're playing with more like regions and different yes. countries so i'm super excited about that that'll be exciting no but um so instead i am picking a bottle of gary farrell's um 2018 pinot noir um it's from sonoma county in the russian river valley to be specific um there's many reasons why i chose this let's go with the baseline layer that it's one of your first yes. favorite varieties of wine. Yeah, when 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 we first start, so actually, I'll, I'll tell an anecdote. Um, a la Glennon yes. Doyle, <laughs> there was a night. This had to have been like two years ago Ooh. or something now, which is crazy to think it was two years ago. But I came over and we had a wine tasting, and it was oh a God, Pinot yes. Noir tasting, and you had <laughs> these like little placemats where we would put the different, you know, glasses and then I would have to describe what I tasted. And I was like, yes, I brought all, out like all I taste note is, things. And I was like, all I taste is ooze. And all I taste is like red wine. Like I didn't understand what was happening. And then you had all these words for me, words like tannins. And I was like, what even is a tannin? You know, like <laughs> I didn't understand what was happening. And Pinot Noir, that's what we drank that night. Yeah, and we drank it from different regions. So you could taste exactly. the difference in a cool climate, a moderate climate, a warm climate. Exactly. And I was fucking around a lot that night, pretending like I didn't know what was happening. But I did learn a lot. And I started to really realize that I quite like Pinot Noir. Yes. And I started to to purchase it for myself at home. And I and I would start bringing you bottles of Pinot that I had enjoyed. And, and so that was sort of my first... Um, encounter with wine and understanding it and appreciating it. So it makes sense that for our first episode, you would nod at my ignorance. Um, <laughs> Just like when uh, I said that if you put anything in front of her, she'll I'll drink, drink it, it that one time. Yeah, <laughs> you said that publicly on, on Instagram Live. <laughs> I'm saying was, it again now. And you're saying it again Great. now. And, uh, and I feel good about myself. Um, but now, look, comparatively, look come. you've come so far. I even <laughs> forgot about the little placemats and all that with the the taste. Oh, that was adorable. That was adorable. We, we have to, to do, do that, that again. Yeah, we have yeah. To do that again. For maybe sure. not Pinot, but maybe, maybe I like don't know. funky natural wines. Yes, or funky natural wine. We also yeah. like those a lot. And stay tuned because there will be funky natural wine. On there, this has podcast. There, there has, there has to be. There has to be. But that's the, this is a this is definitely I think a good place to start the yes. Pinot for sure. Pinot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes. Yeah, so Pinot Noir, very special place in our hearts. Um, I also grabbed this one because, um, you know, Glennon evolved into such a powerful, untamed woman. And I decided to kind of match her character, but in the wine world. So at Gary Farrell, they have a female winemaker, um, Teresa Heredia. 
um, that she's strong, openly gay. She's Latina. We're Latina. And she's very mm-hmm. much into women empowerment. She's very much into mentoring um, interns. She always wants to make sure that there's like at least a 50-50 split and harvest interns. A lot of her mentors are women. She's worked amongst a ton of women in the wine industry in California and always wanted to bring them up and, you know, open the door and let others through, um, you know, which I think sometimes is difficult as women. I think we've gotten better at it. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, some women think that if you eat a piece of the pie, then they won't have pie either. You know, that kind of a thing. Right. That- that's a that's pretty strange. stupid thought. Yes. That's that's what we're taught, right? Exactly. And, and that's something that's really personal to me and you because mm-hmm. you and I work a lot with interns. We work a lot with young people. Yeah. I have the privilege of working sometimes with the Young Arts Foundation or interns that we bring into the museum. And and um and I have the 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 awesome responsibility of 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 mentoring them and just helping them through their journey. Yeah. And and one of the things that matters to me the most is once that door is open, if I ever have the opportunity to walk through a door, I want to leave it open yes. so that every other woman behind me knows that she can also walk through it. And if, and if in, in, in you know, them walking through, they make the, the door a little bit bigger and they add some neon signs yes. pointing towards Come it, then that's way. even better. You know, that's, that's what we, that's why we do what we do. You know, I went into the art world, um, blissfully ignorant of how hard it actually is for women and how the demographics were working against me. You know, there aren't a lot of, you know, I got into it when I was like in my late twenties, I'm 30 now, but I, you know, there aren't a lot of like young women of color, young Latina women who are doing this work. And I'm glad that I didn't know that because it meant that I didn't create, yeah, it, it would have created like an obstacle that I would have been, been putting on myself because I was quite fortunate to move forward in this career path um, as, as you have. And so for us, like, it's so important for us to nod at a winemaker who's doing that. Yeah. And also, I mean, you can speak about this, but an industry that has been male dominated. Yes, it's, the, it's a boys club for many, many years. And now I think with um, Black Lives Matter and, and all of the different, you know, current events that have happened throughout last year this year i think it's becoming more open and more inclusive and you see more uh, winemakers and wine influencers and and just wine people of color coming in and feeling like there's a space for them because yeah a lot of times you know you walk it i mean i know i've walked into tastings and you have like the old pale stale males sitting no. there <laughs> you're just like what and you're the like never fuck? mind i'm gonna what get the, the fuck, fuck out of here <laughs> i don't want to sit here it feels weird you know and they're there just swirling their glasses and being like well that smells like you know forest floor and then in the forest of Burgundy or whatever. I don't know. Moist sand. this. And, you know, this reminds me of the trip I took on my jet. And, you know, just yeah. like ridiculous references and, and just not making it, they like quiz you almost. Not making it a space for, for natural learning and, and tasting and just enjoyment of wine. Wine <laughs> is an enjoyable hobby. I shouldn't right. feel like I go to a tasting and I'm getting a three-page quiz on well, it. Well, imagine how different it would be if, people who who know a lot about wine and who are really interested in wine had more of the approach that you have where you knew that I didn't know much about it, but you were like, well, this is an easy way to just get her to learn a little bit. Yeah. You know, if that were the case, then wine wouldn't have that reputation of being no, so intimidating. Um, this, you know, the same sort of goes for books, but 
but I think wine definitely more so. Yeah, you know, this idea that, that like stigma. you know you 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 get a, a menu at a restaurant and you have no idea what the fuck to order. It's true. Um, it's a little terrifying, but I think that the more accessible you make it, the more fun you make it. Exactly, and there's so many winemakers you know, domestically that are doing very interesting things. I mean, we're not drinking their wines tonight, but, um, raft wines, um, it's run by, oh my God, I'm going to kill myself. It's like JJ duck daughter, but I don't remember her real name right now. (laughs) It's okay because you just plugged the Instagram and that's what matters. And then, um, Martha Salman, there's just a lot of women. Oh, that was my, oh, that's my fave. I know. Maybe I'll bring it for a segment. I I mean, I think we're going to have to. Um, Drew hooked us up to those wines. Drew um, DiMatteo is one of our wino friends in the internet <laughs> who really has been a, like a wine uncle to me and really brought me into the fold and really taught me a lot of things when other people would be like, oh, he's a silly girl. She doesn't yeah. know what the fuck she's talking about. But he really taught me and, and showed me great winemakers, female winemakers that are just killing it, kicking ass, taking names and are very inspirational just as Glennon is, just as Teresa's with this wine. And really just, you know, making just wine as you are just in the as... wine industry, I think. I mean, yes, a lot of people yes. know to come to you and to your blog for That's accessible true. information that they don't feel they can get anywhere else. It's why your blog is successful. You're right. Pat, pat. Don't be modest. <laughs> I know. I'm too modest. Don't sometimes. be modest. Modest is gross. Modest is fake. Yeah. Just be right. like, yeah, I know. I know. I'm awesome. Thank yeah, you. I'm awesome. And my blog is awesome. And I work hard. And I'm a badass bitch. Woo! Badass bitches in the house. If Glennon taught us anything, it's to not be modest. That is true. She says, I think at one point, you know, be careful about the stories you tell about yourself or that you tell to yourself because they become how you, you know, envision yourself, how you see yourself. You know, I think it's important for women to be um, openly proud of the things that they accomplish, openly proud of the things that they do, because we give permission to other women to also be proud of the work that they do. And that doesn't make us arrogant. That doesn't make us cocky. That doesn't make us shitty people. It just means that we have something to contribute and we're proud to contribute it. That's exactly. it. We could acknowledge the, yeah. the good shit we're doing yeah. and, and say it loud and proud. Exactly. Well, this wine is fantastic. Yes, it's amazing. No, um, I was going to say, I also found, I when I was doing research on her, I read an interview of hers that she gave and she gave this one piece of advice. Um, respect and support other women around you. We have a natural propensity for competition with one another. And I think it's important to recognize it and honor this, but to keep it at a healthy level so that you can help lift each other up. I think 100%. it's always lifting each other up. A hundred percent. And and I think it's really interesting that idea of it's important to recognize and honor this because healthy competition is good. It's good. It makes us all better. It makes us it all makes want to do our best. Better. But when that competition becomes toxic yeah. or when the price that someone pays is being pushed down, yeah. you know, then that's, that's where the issue comes. That's in. where the issue comes from. Anyone who's trying to pull you down is already beneath you. Right. Yeah. That's how you 100%. have to think of it. Yeah. That's how you have to think of it. And I think, you know, women, especially, you know, we, we have to do everything that we can to create more opportunities for other women. And then this is honestly what I hope becomes sort of like, my life's work in a way. Yeah. Like I just want to Same. give more women opportunities, especially opportunities that I didn't have because there's a grace in being able to give things that you weren't given. 
Yeah. And I think sometimes too, um, we think, or at least me sometimes when I was growing up and stuff, I'm like, well, I didn't get this. So why should they get this? Or, you know, like I was an allowance that, so why should they be allowance that? It's something I've had to teach myself. Unlearning can be really hard. Yeah, exactly. Just, she talks about that a lot in the book too. It's so hard lot. to unlearn things. <laughs> it is. It's so hard to unlearn things. Like something that I used to be guilty of a lot. And I think I still do it sometimes is I'll apologize for things that I'm not actually mm-hmm. sorry for, you know, me and my little sister, Kayla, we joke, um, we will drop a book. We'll knock something and we'll automatically say, I sorry. Sorry. And then I'm like, wait, but why, I just, I just hit my own elbow. Why am I saying sorry? Like Dude, someone could knock into me and I'll be like, sorry. And it's like, Maritza, stop. Like stop. you don't exist to apologize for things that are not actually your fault or your problem. No, 100%. And like, I want more women to know that. I want more women to embrace that part of themselves that no is a complete sentence. You don't have to apologize for things. And also let's stop doing that thing where, you know, we enunciate everything per- perfectly and we express ourselves with clarity yeah. and dignity and then we go did that make sense did that make sense <laughs> to everybody let's not do let me that know if you have any questions if that didn't make sense if that didn't make sense just let me know it made sense it fucking <laughs> made sense okay <sighs> and we need to just be okay with being powerful in a space something that i love to tell um my interns or just anyone that i'm working with is like take up space yeah sometimes it's that simple like in a meeting you have an idea say it You know, if you have something that you want to express, express it, take up space unapologetically because you have a right to take up space as much as anybody else. Anyone. It's so true. And it's one of those things that, you know, women, I feel like we're very, the way society breeds us almost is to, to question ourselves constantly, to second guess ourselves, to not think that we're as great as we are hundred percent just to kind of be like, am I even qualified for this? So then you're in a meeting and you're sitting there and you're like, there I have is. a great idea, but I don't know if I should say it. Cause if I say it and it's wrong, I sound stupid. And it's just all these internal dialogues yeah. that society has forced upon us. And it's ridiculous because men sound stupid all the time, all the time, all the time. A and B, <laughs> there is no more brilliant system uh, than patriarchy in the sense that, it teaches women to question themselves all the time. It teaches women to control themselves and each other. And that's mm-hmm. how you maintain this system by keeping us in check, but like us keeping ourselves. In yeah. Check, right. <laughs> that is whack and it's wild that's and it's crazy. insane. And that's why like when I see a woman and sometimes like, you know, I have to remember I've been conditioned to feel this way. You know, and Glennon talks about this in the book too, that we're conditioned sometimes to feel a little confused and a little threatened by yeah. a woman who presents herself with strength and dignity. Yes, I remember and that chapter. She, and she even says, she's like, man, there was this like little girl on like the opposing team of my soccer's, of, of my daughter's soccer team. And I remember being like, I don't know, there's something I don't like about that girl. She's fucking 12 she years old. She has like swagger. She has swagger confidence. And, and it's like, we're taught to distrust other women who present themselves with confidence. Let's not feel bad about ourselves for doing it because let's acknowledge that we've been conditioned to believe Mm -hmm. that but let's acknowledge it for a second and then say no i have respect for that woman yeah because she's showing us who she is with confidence and with grace and that is who we aspire to be too and that's who we want other women to be too so it's hard like let's let's also be kind to ourselves and remember that we've been taught a lot of things that aren't true 
and that unlearning them is a lot more difficult than learning them. It really is. And I feel like with me and my journey, the only reason why I'm way better at it now is because I have been with um, the art museum for 10 years and I have been in my role and and moved up the ladder and have been given, you know, this role where I'm in charge and I've had it now for a while. And I'm like, yeah, I know what the fuck I'm talking about and I know what I'm doing and I'm going to say whatever I want, whenever I want, because it's my expertise. There's no reason to doubt myself. And not to, you know, not to fluff your feathers, but I mean, one of the reasons that I think your department is so successful is because you've allowed every single person in that department to channel their talent. Yeah. And you've given them the tools that they need to just do the best work that they can. You know who has certain strengths and you've let them run with those strengths. You're not trying to, you know, turn anybody into something else. No, at all. You're empowering your staff and that's the magic, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you are a manager, if you're a woman in power, give people the tools to be the best versions of themselves and you will be shocked at how fucking awesome people can be. They can. They really shine when you empower them because there's there's no worse feeling than feeling like you're powerless and that right. people don't trust you and that you don't know what you're doing. But the second right. you give someone an inch of empowerment, they just flourish and thrive. They flourish and they become someone that even they themselves maybe didn't imagine that they could be. And that's really the gift. And, and I aspire to be that kind of manager as well. You know, just someone who, who can be honest and, and empower people to be the best versions of who they are. And I think I've, I've, I've learned a lot of that from you, but I've learned a lot of that from, you know, from this book, because ultimately it's about holding space for people. Yeah. It's about, you know, it's about just, you know, being, you know, showing people grace and showing yourself grace, you know, in Mm -hmm. the midst of all of that. And, and so I just, um, well, first I just want to thank you for putting all of this together. (laughs) Full disclosure, I arrived at Alexis home today to record. And I think took her about an hour to figure out just how to do the audio. And I sat around <laughs> and I sat around scrolling through Instagram and talking to her husband about a whole bunch of nonsense. So I want to thank you for putting all of this together. I think that this is the, the very beginning. So, you know, we would love nothing more than for all of you who are hearing this and who are involved um, to not only give us your feedback, but to send us your thoughts on on the book, to converse with us. You know, this is a catalyst for conversation. This is for us um, a project that is strictly coming from a place of love and of interest. Yeah. And so we just want to keep this conversation open. We want to hear from all of you and 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 we have a lot coming up we have some great books lined great up great books i'm so excited really for really great books we went really far out with we did <laughs> with our lead time well that's because you chose me to do this podcast with that's and i true. read too much but, but it works for it works, it works for this it so works for this very excited about the next book i guess we could announce it here i mean i don't see why not so we're going to be discussing the Beatree by <laughs> Emily Henry. This was another book that I read in the midst of quarantine, and it is an absolutely fantastic novel. Um, it's about the writing process. It's about what it takes to put a book together, but it's also a really beautiful love story that is not cheesy or fake or mm-hmm. annoying. It's actually just about human connection. It's very about family. Yeah. It's about, uh, it's about research and understanding what's good for you about, um, 
kind of letting your creative juices flow. It's about, you know, putting something out into the world, even though you're a little scared to do it, yeah, which is sort of a nod of. to what we're doing with this yes. podcast. <laughs> um, so if you've read um, Beach Read, awesome. If you haven't, we hope that we'll entice you with our conversation, but it's a truly phenomenal book. And of course, we'll have great wine pairings for that as well. I'm already thinking about it. Very I excited. I know. It's exciting. So we just want to thank all of you for for the support and for getting involved. And you can expect many, many more episodes from us. There are many, many books to <laughs> review. So many. And as I mentioned, and I'll mention again, please, um, any recommendations, anything that you um, want to share with us, um, we're open we're to open. that. We're open, yeah. Not just open, we encourage it. We, we want it. Um, so definitely follow us at Pouring Over Pages podcast on Instagram, Twitter, all the channels. Um, subscribe to our podcast, our RSS feed. Yep, I, yep. I, and very soon we will also have a Patreon account where we will have exclusive content and information for all of you. And so we're also working on that now. So, you know, stay tuned for stay that. Stay tuned. That's another way to support us and, and keep the conversation and going. keep the conversation going. And that's really what it's all about. So, so thank cheers you so again. Much. And cheers. thank you all. Thanks. Thanks.